Good evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service. And if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me. We're going to begin in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Now this, this lesson is not designed to encourage someone to turn from their iniquities and, and give their hearts to God through baptism. This one is designed to someone who is a child of God. We need to be refreshed in our minds of who we are, who we stand for, what type of life that we should live, to know that we have a destination, whether good or bad, and have to give an account of the things we have done, whether good or bad. Keep in mind that there are two resurrections as we go through this lesson. There is a resurrection to those who are faithful unto life, and there is a resurrection to those who are unfaithful to death. That is spiritual life and spiritual death. Whenever Christ, he speaks of, as his, in, in his teachings, he speaks of eternal life, and that is that those who are faithful. Now I want to encourage something. If you find yourself unfaithful, if you find yourself walking a lifestyle of sin, I want to encourage one thing. Stop doing it. Turn away from it. Because God... Well, you will be standing before him one day. He, him being the righteous judge that he is, your lifestyle will condemn you. And let's, let's, let's focus on that. Let's make sure that we're not focusing our life in iniquity. Let's make sure we're not abiding in sin, but abiding in Christ. So as we turn to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read the first verse. And I want to let it sink deep into, into our hearts. Those who have given their hearts to God through baptism. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's stop there in verse 11. Notice what Paul is writing to the church in, in Colossians. Of course, he's writing to us today. 2,000 years later, we're still reading Paul's writings and we're still learning from Paul. If then you were raised with Christ in the first verse. That word if means choice. We have choices to make in our everyday walks of life. Whether to be faithful to God, whether to believe in God, or don't, or not to even care yourself. There's a lot of folks out there who really don't care what they would have, what, what God would have them to do. There's a lot of folks out there who would be joining the crowd and slapping Christ in the face. There, there would be so many iniquities today, even if Christ were here today walking amongst us. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. Keep that in mind as well. Again, this was wrote to a child of God. 
If then you were raised with Christ, that old man refer to down here, we put away the old man, so we put him to death and, and all, the, all of his old deeds. He was raised up by that baptismal water, expected to walk in newness of life, which is another passage of scripture. Seek those things which are above. Now this don't mean the ceiling. This don't mean the clouds. This don't mean space. It means heaven. It means God. It means Jesus Christ where he is right now. He told his disciples. He even tells us today through his word. He, he asked us, if any one of you desires to come after me. If any of, what he's saying there is, is, if any one of you decides to seek after me, if you want to be where I am, take up your cross and follow me daily. Not 15 minutes, not two years, not 30 years, but to the point of the end of your life. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Is that where our goal is? Is that where our longing for is? Is that our motivations in our everyday walk of life because keep in mind we're going to be separated from one another us as children of god and those who are faithful we're going to be separated from one another tomorrow some of us are some of us are families and we are retired and we spend all of our time with our spouse or our children or whatever but for the majority as a child of god we're going to be separated tomorrow in a matter of speaking we take strength whenever we are assembled you're stronger when you're together. I believe we can also be strong in the absence of our Christian family members. My mind goes to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. My faith can move mountains, Christ told his disciples. My faith can drive me in my everyday walks of life. My faith is going to drive, or our faith is going to drive us to set our minds upon God. Set our minds upon the eternal place where we want to be, where we choose to be. Because the word if is there. If then you were raised with Christ, you made the choice to be obedient to God and respond to the gospel. To make that change, to say Satan can offer me nothing on judgment day. Oh, he can offer me all kinds of things today. He can offer me the world. Did he not offer the world to Jesus Christ? He did. He set him upon the temple of temple and showed him the world. All these things I will give to you if you will just bow down and worship me. What did Christ tell him? We're only going to worship God. My Father in heaven is the only one we're going to worship. Period. And that's paraphrasing. That's what he told Satan. That's what we need to tell Satan and not let the ways of the world come between us in our Heavenly Father. It happens so much when folks who have been immersed, who have been forgiven, who have once lost, now found, return back to their lost state, they give up. They quit. They stop trying. They give up on God. My mind again goes back to John 6. In verse 66. That number just sticks into my mind. Why? Because many of Christ's disciples turned away from him and didn't walk with him anymore. 
So as a child of God, we've got to set our minds on things above in verse 2, not on things of the earth, because there are polar opposites. Our mind should be set upon heavenly things. It should be. You might say, well, how do I do that? Jesus Christ came to this earth. Consider it like a double-edged sword. He came for two purposes. He came to be your sin-free sacrifice, and he also, another, another way he came was to be your example. And I know he came to establish his church. If he hadn't established his church, what would his sacrifice do? It, of course. He came to be your cornerstone. He came to be your example. The one you measure yourself up with daily. And if you find yourself lacking, you find yourself uh, straining in one area or straying in one particular area, turn away from those things. Stop doing it. We know what those things are. We get a short list up the next few verses. We've done read it already. But stop doing those iniquitous things. Stop doing those sinful things. Stop concerning yourself being an instrument of unrighteousness. And we're going to hear that verse again back in Romans. For you died, in verse 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died. What did you die? Wait a minute. I'm still breathing. I'm still living. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God in God. So you might say, well, what, what, is, what is Paul talking about? Alright, so keep your finger there in Colossians chapter 3. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. And many of you probably knew I was going there already. Paul clarifies this death. This, this particular type of death. So if one dies, we can't set our, thing, we can't set our minds on things because once you're, once you're dead, you're dead. Now, this is not an earthly death. This is not a physical death. It says a spiritual death. We die to something. Romans chapter 6, actually in verse 2, but we're going to read verse 1. To get the context of this, we find this in Romans 5, verse 20. About the idea of there's more grace God has than there's sin in the world. What shall we say then in Romans 6, chapter 1? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, keep your finger in Romans chapter 6. Turn back over to Colossians chapter 3. Because we're going to turn back over to Romans chapter 6. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So as you were immersed, as you was baptized for the remission of sins, that day forward... You had put Christ on. You was wearing Christ to the point when you sinned yet again. And we do. We fall short. Don't get me wrong. We're not perfect. We're going to stumble. We have that advocate that 1 John chapter 2 speaks of. Again, that being Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1 speaks, and verse 7 explicitly speaks of Christ's blood and how it cleanses us. But we can read in Colossians chapter 3, we died to sin. Even though God has more grace than sin in the world, we die to sin. We can't participate in sin anymore. Once you die to something, you stop doing it. And now our life is hidden with Christ in God. Now verse 4, with this context of dying to something, but we're still alive. We still have the opportunity to make choices. When Christ, who is our life, appears... Then you also will appear with him in glory. You notice that who is our life there? 
when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, if you was to read verse 4, and you was to take out who is our life, you can confirm once saved, always saved, or God just going to save everybody. Listen to what it, listen to what it says. This is not what it says. When Christ appears, then you also appear with him in glory. So what's the significance with who is our life? Who do you resemble? Who do you look like in the world? Do you look like Christ? Keep in mind, that's one of his purposes coming upon this earth. Leaving heaven, coming to this earth, showing people what a godly person looks like. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So what must you do to appear with Christ in glory? Be a Christian. And I don't use that term lightly. Be a Christian. Be a child of God. Be Christ-like. Now, is that difficult? Yes, sirs. Yes, ma'ams, it is. He was a perfect person. He was sin-free. How often do we sin? How often do we fall short? We do. Thankfully, we can come back. If we set our hearts and our minds upon things above, we're not going to worry about the things of the earth. We're not going to let it come between us. We're not going to let our couch. We're not going to let our, our TV show. We're not going to let something, the river, we're not going to let a ball game come between us and God. We're not going to do it. Because those earthly things one day will pass away. Peter speaks of it very vividly. So whenever we see this in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. This list is going to continue on a little bit more. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 6 of Colossians chapter 3. Because of this little short list. Because of these things. What are these things, folks? That's sin. That's just sin. The things that we should, we were supposed to have died to. The things that we have put away in our lives. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So we see sons and daughters of God, or children of God, rather, or children of disobedience. Hmm. I would much rather expect the love of God rather than the wrath of God. And only you can look upon yourself and examine yourself and answer that truthfully. Are you sinning? Are you sinning willfully? Hebrews 10 verse 26 and 27 speaks of a child of God sinning knowingly. For after we have received the knowledge of the truth, as we sin willfully, let's not sin willfully in Hebrews 10 verse 26. So when we turn back to, I said keep your finger in Romans chapter 6. Let me find my starting point. In verse 8. Romans 6 verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. That eternal life that he promises he does say, John 14, 6, does he not say it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. He offers us life. 
knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer having dominion over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Notice that's not past tense. It's continual. It's present. It's even unto this day that he lives to God. Yeah, he died once. That's past tense. He died. When he put flesh on, he had to die. For it's appointed for men to die once, and after this, the judgment. Christ still fall and fell in that category. He died to sin once for all. You are included in that statement. You are part of the all. That is everybody. That's those folks who were slapping him in the face as he was going to the cross. You might think that is like, wow, he died for them? Sure did. He died for those Roman soldiers that drew those big old nails and big old spikes into his flesh all the way into that wood. He died for them. He died for those individuals who were saying, crucify him, crucify him. He died for them as well. He died for you. He died for me. So our sins may be remitted. The death that he died, it was to sin, and he died once for everybody. But the life that he lives, oh, that's present tense. He lives to God. He continued living today. He died once, death no longer having dominion over him in verse 9. Now verse 11. Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if somebody was to ask you, what does sin do to you? It destroys you. It destroys you spiritually. A child of God, you might ask him, well, how does sin make you feel? It should make you feel distraught. It should make you displeased within yourself. It should make you feel spiritually dead because you are. Because we died to sin, did we not? I keep saying that because I want to keep that fresh into our minds. The opportunities that we have, we made a mention of that this morning, that God allows us opportunities to sin. He doesn't tempt us. Satan tempts us. That's, that temptation comes from Satan. God allows an escape. He allows that escape through his son's blood. And only a child of God, one has been immersed for the remission of sins. Now the reason why, why do you keep saying immersed? Why do you keep saying baptized? Because immersion means buried. Immersion means submerged, covered, not sprinkled, not doused, not splashed, not one toe sticking out, immersed, buried. The word buried there is in actually Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We're still in the same turning, hopefully. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in, here it is, newness of life. Setting our minds on things above, should walk in newness of life. Casting off those sins, or casting off the lifestyle of sin, we should have done that after our immersion. Actually, we should start that at repentance. So we continue reading on in Romans chapter 6. 
Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And notice verse 13. What's an instrument? An instrument is something that, like a tool. An instrument is something that you use. And do not present your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. What's unrighteousness? Unrighteousness is not righteous. So what's righteous? Doing right in the eyes of God. So unrighteousness is being displeasing in the eyes of God. Well spoken. Because it's exactly what unrighteous is. A child of God does not need to be, well, a child of God cannot be unrighteous. Can't be. Because a child of God is going to be an imitator of God or an imitator of Christ, or actually imitator of Paul, which in turn imitator of Christ, and Christ fulfilling his Father's commands. Therefore, do not let sin reign, or do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, Here's the opposite end of that spectrum. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Let's look at verse uh, 13 very carefully. Two types of instruments. One to sin and one to God. Or excuse, of righteousness to God. Notice the one of in unrighteousness, unrighteousness does not lead to God. It leads to sin. And if you study your Bibles a little bit closely, you hear a passage of Scripture in the book, chapter, and verse just escape me. Where sin leads to more sin. And unrighteousness leads to more unrighteousness. Oh, Satan loves that, don't he? He loves us to be involved in sin. He loves us to be dead in sin. Not dead to sin. He wants us to be dead in sin. You notice also Paul writes there and he says, uh, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Let's stop there real quick. Presenting yourself to God. Uh, I, would, I would think of a, like a fair scenario and you have quilted this wonderful quilt. Gentlemen, you can we can quilt, too, if we actually set our minds to it, right? No? Yes, maybe? Ladies, y'all make some wonderful-looking quilts. I've seen them. I appreciate them. You've got this quilt hanging on this quilt rack, and you're presenting it to a fair. A bunch of judges are going to come look at all these quilts, and they're going to judge them, and they're going to give them first place, second place, third place, and so forth. Right? You have struggled as you made this thing. You wanted it to be perfect. And lo and behold, it gets first prize. You presented it to something, right? You presented it to the judges. We present ourselves to God daily. And it's difficult to present ourselves to God holy, acceptable in His sight, being alive from the dead. Because we once walked in our, in our trespasses, did we not? I believe we just got through reading that. In verse 7 of Colossians chapter 3. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. 
Folks, the outcome of those sons of disobedience is death. That second resurrection that we were speaking of earlier. The resurrection of death to those who have not been righteous. Those who have lived a lifestyle of that instrument of unrighteousness leading to sin, leading to more sin, leading to spiritual death and eternal death. We speak of that eternal death also in Revelations 21.8. So we continue on in Romans chapter 6. In the rest of verse 13. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So when we present ourselves to God, we do that daily, by the way. We do it actually continuously. You're doing it right now. You're, you're doing it right now. You're presenting yourself to God as being alive from the dead. What's your mindset right now? Hopefully it's not something else other than God. Our minds should be centered on God, His righteousness, and our reflection to that righteousness. How does it look? How do we compare? That's, that should happen continuously. When we focus ourselves on God, what He has done for you, what He has reserved for you, and His instructions for all of us, we're presenting ourselves to God. Now, are we doing it as being alive from the dead? Because we once were dead in our trespasses. Before baptism, we was dead in our trespasses. Don't get me wrong. So now whenever I say alive from the dead, we're all still have a pulse. Let me check. Yeah, it's still there. I'm still alive. This is talking about being spiritually dead and spiritually alive. No longer presenting ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness leading to sin, but now we're instruments of righteousness leading to God. We're going to God. He has given us a, the, our, our roadmap. He's given us our instruction manual. We should follow it. Keeping in mind, walking hand in or coordinating with Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now verse 14 of Romans chapter 6. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And that's God's grace, not mankind's. God's grace. Are we following His examples? Are we being righteous? Because God has given us instructions to righteousness. You find that in your Bible. That's what it's for. It's for our rebuke. It's for our correction. It's for our instructions to righteousness. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is the purpose of your Bibles. We need to read them. We need to study them. We need to be able to present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And I will say this. I can remember who I was when I was dead spiritually. I didn't read a Bible. Why would I read a Bible? I hadn't, why, why would I do that? That's just a waste of time. That was Jeremy then. Now, oh yes, I enjoy studying. Notice that difference, reading, studying. I enjoy studying my Bible. I enjoy studying in a Bible class setting more than anything as we come together of like minds studying God's Word. I enjoy that time way more than the things that I used to enjoy being dead in sin. Now we need to present our bodies 
to God. Present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Have we done that? So we continue on in Colossians chapter 3. Starting in verse, or continuing, excuse me, continuing in verse 8. Back up in verse 6. <clears throat> because of these things, that short list of sin that we was involved in, we're going to get some more. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. That idea of being dead, now we're no longer dead. We're brought out and, and God has made us alive through his son. But now you yourselves are to put off all the anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So what did baptism do for you? You might say, well, all I did was get wet. No, there was a conscious decision to make a change before you got wet. It was supposed to. The gospel should have affected your heart before you was immersed. If it did not, if it did not change you, did not make a change, did not make that repetitive act, if you did not confess the Lord as your Savior, if you did not do these things, if you did not hear, if you did not believe all these things before you was immersed, all you did was get wet. You might as well took some soap and washed off. That's all you did. Baptism means so much more than just getting wet. Baptism is not a cleansing of the flesh. Baptism is a cleansing of your soul. Having access to the blood of Christ. We sing a wonderful song which just came to mind. What can wash away my sins? There's only one thing that can. We sing it. You know what that song is? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What a wonderful opportunity that we have in our everyday walk of life to know that we're going to be standing before our heavenly Father, being judged of our deeds, giving account, account of all the things we have done, whether good or bad, how will you stand? Being dead in sin or alive to God? Which will it be? If we're standing tonight dead in sin. We can cast those sins out. Just because you've been baptized for the remission of sins does not mean you're sin free. No. That means you're, you know what sin is, you know how to stay away from it, and you're trying your best. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes folks say, well, I've been immersed. I've, I've been baptized. I can go live however I want to. God's Word says, nope. We just read it. Romans 6, verse 2. We died to sin. We can't live any longer in it. We're presenting our bodies at from alive to the dead. No longer that instrument of unrighteousness leading to sin, but now we're members of righteousness, or excuse me, instruments of righteousness leading to God. I want to clarify that. Are we being led to God? We have a conscious decision to make right now. Are you dead in sin? Are you abiding in sin? Have you set your mind on things above? Folks, that's where Christ is. Did he not say to his disciples, if you seek after me, if you choose to seek after me, take up your cross and follow me? In doing so, we will be resurrected just as he is. I hear all those Bibles being led down. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Y'all thought I was done, didn't you? Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. 
Well, excuse me, then verse 8. We'll back up to verse 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, being, again, being dead in sin, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, again, choice. Baptism is not the stop of anything. It is the start of your spiritual walk. We can be immersed and we can walk out there in the world. The Spirit of God is not abiding in us. The only time the Spirit of God is abiding in us is whenever we are obedient to His Word. Peter says it. We have to be obedient to His Word. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. When Christ, who is our life, appears. You notice what he said? Notice what Paul said. He says Christ needs to be our life. It must be our life. If he is not our life, he is not his. You will not appear with him in glory, and you will be left behind. Do not be left behind. Make a change. Come back to God. Be immersed. I want to put this in here. Be immersed. Be baptized for the remission of your sins and begin your spiritual walk right now. Most of us in this audience have done so. You might be hearing this, this message and be convinced that you need God. I agree with you. You need God. Baptism is your start of your spiritual life. But you're going to falter. You're going to stumble. Some of us in here tonight may have done so. Let's come back to God. Let's make a change in our lifestyle to stop sinning. Let's stop being those instruments of unrighteousness. Let's make a change. Does that need to happen tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?